In the late 1700s, a group of American rebels began to protest what they believed to be unfair taxation. They protested their government, formed a militia, and prepared for war. If you think I'm talking about the American Revolution, then you're wrong. But it's only because I'm being intentionally misleading like a, you know, a real jerk. No, today we're talking about the time the United States government somewhat ironically formed an army to fight for their right to tax people's favorite drink, whiskey. Why don't you pour yourself one right now and join us for this episode of 100 Proof History titled The Whiskey Rebellion. Are the libertarians right? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> this is 100 Proof History. We're drinking whiskey and talking history. So, grab a drink, sit back, relax, and enjoy a few laughs as the guys talk about all the horrible things people do to each other. Here are your hosts, Chris and Greg. Hello, beautiful people. Um, no? No, yeah. not you ugly people, just the beautiful just ones. Just the pretty ones. Just, yeah, just the good looking ones. Yeah. Uh, this is 100 Proof History. I am your main host, Greg. And I'm your sexy host, Chris. That's and right. I found out, I realized why you hate Dan so much. Why? Fucking uh, Dan. He's the intro guy, by the way. Yeah, he just did our intro and left, like he usually does, just tore ass out of here. Um, did, fucking took a box of Cheez-Its out of the studio pantry before he left. Yeah. Piece of shit. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry, I'm just... The white cheddar ones, too. Dan gets under my fucking Not skin. even the regular ones. Um, no, but if you listen to our intro, which I know you don't listen to our show, uh, I barely do. Um, if you listen to the intro, my name comes before your name and you're the main host. Yeah, I know. So he's just like twisting the knife, just digging in. No, no. It's kind of like if I was to say that, uh, yeah, Chris and I went to this distillery. Mm. I'd say Chris and I. Oh, the I The most see. important person is myself. I, last, yeah, I got you. You know, yeah, and yeah. so- as the main host, when I was curating this entire show all by myself, mm-hmm. um, so what happened? You know, that's yeah. what I thought when I was thinking intro. That's how I wrote it. You know, that makes sense. Yeah, even hey. though I didn't write it. You know, that's, <laughs> that's what I was thinking in hindsight. None of it's written. He just pulls that off the top of his head every week. He comes in here and just ad libs. Yeah, it just happens to be the same thing every exactly. time. He's not very good at improvising. He just sticks to what he knows. Mm-hmm. Right, Which well, is what we should have done, but instead of doing that, we actually created a little sideshow to yeah. this show. Yeah. It's a bonus show. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas if this show is the drink, this sideshow is more of like a little shot. A little yeah. shot on the side. It's called 100 Proof Hangovers. Why don't you, uh, why don't you tell us about it, Chris? Uh, so 100 Proof Hangovers are going to be dropped every Monday. This show comes out on Wednesdays. So two days early, you're going to get a little bitty teaser, a little taster to kind of hold you over until the main course comes. Initially, these things are going to be free to everybody. We're going to release, I don't know how many, until we get a web page and a Patreon set up. And 500. Yeah, we're going to release 500 of them. So in 10 years, we're going to set up a, a web page and Patreon. And that content, any additional 100 Proof Hangovers will be thrown under the Patreon for subscribers. Uh, so basically, we're just kind of like, like you said, just showing you the boob before we take you to the champagne room. Right. Yeah. And, you know, it's probably going to be something, you know, cheap, like, Couple bucks, yeah, to be a Patreon member to get access to those. Uh, use a pair of panties, you know, mm-hmm. you know normal, yeah. whatever, small things. Most of our listeners, I'm going to say, like 99.5 uh, percent of our listeners are male. Mm-hmm. So, I'm not so sure. I want the used panties, but you know, who am I to judge? Uh, I'll still take them. So. <laughs> uh, also, I hate to do this, but I'm going to go business up front with you guys. 
because usually at the very keep the party in the back is this is this show a mullet it is (laughs) absolutely a mullet cool it is that classy as you will soon find out um no a lot of the podcasts do this and i hate it i hate how they they get all their fucking business out before they get to the content and if you can't beat them join them exactly because i started thinking about it um basically all i'm doing is i just want to plug our social media accounts right up front we're at 100 proof history on instagram facebook and sometimes Twitter. You can go to our uh, anchor page, anchor like a boat anchor.fm slash 100 proof history and leave us a voicemail. Just want to put that stuff up front mm-hmm. because I think uh, the longer we go and the drunker we get, the more people tune out. Like, oh no, I've had enough of this shit. Oh, I'm sure. And, you know, I don't know about you, but when I listen to a podcast and they finish their story and it's the timer says they still have 16 minutes, I'm like, okay, I'm out. Fucking like, out. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll see you guys next week. <laughs> yep. Okay. Um, so yeah, we'll just put that up front. Just a little reminder. Yeah, so we fucked you guys into listening to all that shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but that is that. Uh, another thing we need to do need to let the listener know, um, we almost lost Wolf Dick, our, our producer. Oh, this whole thing would have gone south fucking quick. Yeah. Uh, not because he's crucial or anything. He just plays a little. Oh, he's got money. Yeah, he's got a lot of money. Uh, and he finances our, our show. Um, you don't think we can afford all these fancy whiskeys, do you? Fuck no. So, um, yeah, so he financed our show. He almost passed away. It was actually over the Christmas break. We forgot to mention it last week because we really don't give a shit. But then we started thinking about, you know, the lost money. Mm. Um, so the doctors recommended we put him on some sort of monitoring equipment. And I said, do you want better, Doc? I got a little hotel front desk bell. Mm-hmm. Just going to have him ring it. Anytime he feels like he's close to death. Like a dickhead in Breaking Bad had. Yeah, yeah, that guy. Mm. Uh, pretty much exactly the same. Uh, we don't want to use it for communication. Please don't ring that for communication. The only thing that bell is for is to let us know you're dying so we can decide how much we give a shit. Other than that, man, uh, I think that's all the business. You mean now it's party time? It's party time. Ooh, we'll get yeah. to the back part of that mullet, baby. Hell yeah. Where all the sperm goes. Now, like you were saying, though, we've got a pretty good listener base. Mm-hmm. Um but I feel like that's indicative of who starts the episode. Not not so much of how many people finish it. Oh, so. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> You're probably right. Yeah, just we start going off on wild tangents towards the end. The, I wouldn't yeah. blame anyone. And then to then have all the business stuff back there. Yeah, it makes sense to just go ahead and put it up front, front load it. Yeah, I mean, once the train starts going off the rails, you don't fucking ride it to the grave. You know, you <laughs> jump off that motherfucker. So I understand completely. I'm not blaming anybody. Um, I am. Fuck all of you. <laughs> Until we get a Patreon, fuck all of you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then you're my best friends. <laughs> hey, buddy. <Yeah. laughs> uh, today we were talking about the Whiskey Rebellion. It's a little interesting note from uh, American history that kind of gets overlooked and not a lot of people know about. Yeah. Uh, it's an ironic moment in American history where <laughs> we uh, we just fought a war about taxation and now... Boom, taxation. Taxation. Here's yeah. some taxes, and uh, here's some Americans who aren't too fucking happy about it. So uh, it will be an interesting story. Our main source today is the Whiskey Rebellion, George Washington, Alexander Hamilton, and the Frontier Rebels Who Challenged American Sovereignty by William Hoagland. Yeah. It's a pretty good book. Unlike our Caligula book, this one's pretty good. It'll go into a lot more detail that we don't get into here, mentioning specific people and what happens to them throughout this uh, rebellion. Chris was looking for a coaster right before we started recording, mm-hmm. and I pointed out the uh, Caligula book, and I was like, use that. Make it good for something. <laughs> so, Yeah, fuck you, Alois. Yeah, sorry, Alois, but uh, 
Yeah. We we like American authors. It'll make me look good up there in my library. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, he's very learned. Yeah, he, look at that. Roman history. That's, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Chris, yes, what are you sir. drinking? Oh, today I have brought in a bottle of Merica, Merica bourbon whiskey. Uh, this is oh, a, that shit is really called Merica. Yeah, Merica. Oh, shit. Yeah. Uh, it is produced by a retired veteran. I thought I thought it was America. And no. I was like, how'd they get that name being no. brand new? Just Merca. You know the name we use to make fun of people who are overly patriotic. Yeah. And of course it has stars and red, white, and blue all over it. You know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a 90 proof. It is a produced whiskey. Uh, basically, this company in New Hampshire, or I'm sorry, uh, North Carolina buys like three or four different whiskeys and distills them for people or ages them for people. Yeah. Uh, so this is aged in uh, bourbon barrels for about six or six months. Which uh, when you're starting out in the whiskey game, you can't just start releasing. No, it takes years. Like bourbon yeah. because you have to age it for years. Where are you getting that money? It's you're buying blends or you're buying whiskeys and blending them, selling them under your label until you can start to get your own product out there. So produced isn't always a bad thing. Right. But a lot of the times, especially if it's coming out of Indiana, that uh, means it's coming from a chemical factory. Yeah, and this one is uh, the mash originates in Indiana. Oh. They what's there? That? You go. Yeah, and they use uh, water from the Ohio River, the the spring that creates the Ohio River, which kind of gets into our story because it takes place right there on the border of Pennsylvania, Ohio, right in the forks of the Ohio River. So, it's which the, is in America, America. That's right. Uh, so, Greg, what are you having? I am drinking a um, an old fashioned, mm-hmm. but made with what? Because history is old fashioned. That's right. <laughs> uh, it's made with 1792 small batch bourbon. Okay, uh, it's out of Kentucky. 1792 is the year Kentucky was founded. Uh, it's relevant to the story because the story takes place in between 1791 and 1794. There you go. Uh, also, a fun little note: where maybe eventually we'll start reviewing whiskeys, but uh, both of these whiskeys are about the same price point. And I much prefer yours to mine. Are they really? Yeah. That cost as much as seventeen ninety two. Actually, I think the seventeen ninety two might be a few bucks cheaper. No shit. Yeah. And the seventeen ninety two is a way superior product. Leaps and bounds. Yeah. This uh, we tasted that before we came on air. And, yeah. This mm. is it wasn't, it wasn't bad for it being aged quote at least six months. Yeah. It's it's real thin. It doesn't have a lot of depth or flavor, but it doesn't have a lot of bite either. So it's real easy to drink. So I'll probably be nice and toasted by the break. Okay. Hey, are you ready to talk about the Whiskey Rebellion, Greg? I mean, it's going to hit me in the face whether I'm ready or not. That's true. Let's I'd... face this challenge <laughs> together. Oh, double team it. Hey. Yeah. Tag, you're in. Ooh. And let's get into the story. Let's do it. The United States won their independence in 1783, which a lot of people think 1776 because a lot of people are idiots. Yeah, that's it's... when they declared independence took another seven years of fighting there was a there was a bunch of battles yeah uh the constitution which created the rules for a centralized federal government didn't actually pass until 1789 you know it took a long time back then to get people to agree to shit and also yeah because it doesn't now but back then it did no it's real quick now the u.s had a huge war debt to pay with the federal government government oh no I know. With the federal government owing $54 million and the 13 states owing a collective $25 million. In 2020 dollars, Greg, that is $1.5 billion owed by the federal government and $739 million owed by the state. Okay. Which ain't that bad. Yeah, doesn't seem like it. No, that's, you know, less than the price of like one jet. 
We did it. <laughs> we did it, America whiskey. <laughs> Their debt was largely owed to France and wealthy merchants like Robert Morris, old Bobby Morris, known as the financier of the revolution. This guy's a piece of poo-poo. He is. They uh, list him as one of the founding fathers, and when you think of a founding father, you're like, oh, you know, he really cared about America and all that. This dude did not give a shit. He cared about, about his bank account. He did. He did not give one crap about independence or a revolution. Uh, he saw it as an opportunity to make a lot of money. So he, along with Alexander Hamilton, uh, who at the time was just an economist, uh, organized the creation of the first U.S. war bonds. The bonds were $1,000 and had a return of 6% interest. Uh, they had to be paid out in silver and gold. Silver and gold. Silver and gold. I like how you immediately knew what I was going right. with. Yeah, the Cornelius, <laughs> uh, whatever his name was, yeah. from Rudolph. Yeah. That's right. All the kids will love that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but these bonds, they had to be paid out in silver and gold, but they could be uh, bought with paper currency. And back then, basically, paper currency was toilet paper currency. Am I right? Hey, <laughs> seems like a good way to make money. Yeah, it was. It actually was. Because if you uh, bought one of these bonds with $1,000 of paper, and the paper was only worth uh, $200 in silver and gold... Uh, basically, you instantly made $800 in silver and gold. Not bad. And to back those bonds, a huge loan was taken out from the French. It says they really wanted to fuck over the English at this point in time. Uh, interestingly enough, part of this loan and the other financing of this war by the French would cause the French to go bankrupt themselves, cause huge debt, cause the French Revolution in 1792. You know, one of them. One yeah. of the French yeah. revolutions. Well, but the, yes, thanks for tying it into my drink. The big one where they chopped off everybody's heads. Robert Morris was so hell-bent on getting his money back that he personally wrote to George Washington in 1782 asking him to extend the war. Washington said, go fuck yourself. Then Morris came up with another idea. Get the unpaid U.S. Army to mutiny, take over Congress, and demand that the federal government pay off all of their debts, which would pay Morris back and pay the army who had not been paid at all. General Horatio Gates, who thought he should be commander-in-chief, this guy was kind of a douchebag. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he was all about this idea and was ready to take action when George Washington showed up, talked sense into the soldiers, and the uprising was stomped out. Morris was going to have to wait to get paid. And that's when he joined up with his friend Philip. They created cigarettes. The rest is history. The rest is history. Made Good old-fashioned history. Good old-fashioned. <laughs> yeah. The best part of that is it may be true. I don't fucking know. I don't know anything about history. <laughs> uh, pass me the bottle. Okay. Following the war, Alexander Hamilton became treasurer and saw the national and state debts as a way to make the federal government more powerful. In 1790, he convinced Congress to buy up all the state debt and consolidate it into the national debt. Uh, it turns out that the individual states are just really, really terrible at paying off their own debt. They made up their own currencies. They say, we'll take 20%. It, it, it's just really fucked up. It was a mess. Yeah. Uh, in March of 1791, Congress, fearing another possible uprising like the one Morse had tried to create in 1782 with Horatio Gates, uh, they passed, and this is the name of the bill, an act repealing, after the last day of June next, the duties heretofore laid upon distilled spirits imported from abroad and laying others in their stead, and also upon spirits distilled within the United States and for appropriating the same. So let, you, let me. Uh, no, that I, I that it explains itself. Felt like it came out of nowhere. <laughs> so I I'm going to say the name of the bill uh -huh. right now. 
an act repealing after the last day of June next, Mm -hmm. the duties heretofore laid upon distilled spirits imported from abroad and laying others in their stead, and also upon spirits distilled within the United States and for appropriating the same. End quote. Yeah. It's like if you start typing a Word document and you do this huge long essay and you go to save it. But you haven't titled it. It's just still untitled. <laughs> That's the title. Like, it'll... it'll <laughs> Take the first sentence or Maximize, what? like, the 256-character fucking limit to... It, it'll just be your goddamn preamble right there in the uh, in the document name. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like... Uh, let's see if I can do this. Let's see if this is a good radio bit. I have my phone app here. I'm going to text Greg. I'm going to start with an act, and then I'm just going to hit the center word like five or six times. We'll see how it goes. Oh, boy. Here we go. An act... Of the most important thing is that the break ended up with a hot toddy featuring a lot of people complain about the same time. Makes just as much sense as that build does to me. Okay. Um, yeah, that probably wasn't a good radio bit, but who cares? We're not on the radio. Fuck that, the radio. Yeah, fuck the radio. We're Vid- what's killing you. <laughs> Video killed the radio star, Greg. Everybody knows that. Well... Video like beat them up, and then podcasts came along, and <laughs> you know they were like a pack of wild dogs that all fought over the scraps. Mm-hmm. That's M- us. most of the dogs starved to death, much <laughs> like we'll probably do. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, fuck it. That's a uh, starving fucking scavenger dogs <laughs> roaming the streets of the city with our fucking tits hanging out because we just had puppies. All those dogs have just had puppies. I don't know why. Well, we ate the puppies. Yeah, they're so hungry. so hungry. Hundred proof history: the podcast that eats puppies. Yeah. One zero zero proof history. Anyway. But anyways, that long, stupid fucking name was just a confusing way of saying an act attacks all imported and domestic alcohol. Couldn't have called it that, though. No, that's that's too easy. Uh, It was an excise tax, which means it's a tax on the production of booze, not the sale of it. Uh, Hamilton got it through Congress by saying it was a luxury tax. No one needed alcohol. Bullshit. And since it was a production tax, it could be passed on to the consumer with a small price increase. Fuck you. Trickle-down economics. Fuck you. (laughs) Because the most popular alcoholic beverage by far was whiskey, it quickly became known as the whiskey tax. And really on the surface, the tax wasn't that bad, but it came with a few caveats. Hamilton figured that the average distiller would have a four-month period throughout the year to produce whiskey. And so he created a flat tax of nine cents per gallon that each whiskey still could produce in that four months. Big Eastern whiskey distillers loved it because they could produce almost year-round and were only paying based on four months of production, basically turning that nine-cent flat tax into what amounted to a minor annoyance. Yeah. Out west in Pennsylvania, between the forks of the Ohio River, uh, that's your uh, your whiskey. Yeah, there it is. I tied it in. (laughs) I did it. Well, out there, this tax was a massive problem. Whiskey was basically a form of currency. Farmers could take their excess grain to a distiller, They would turn it into whiskey, keep a portion of the product, and sell it off. The farmer could trade the whiskey for almost anything, including their rent, because whiskey was so popular and in demand that someone would eventually trade it for coin. Also, these small distillers didn't produce whiskey for four months out of the year, or even fill their stills most of the time, so the flat tax of nine cents for them was usually higher per gallon. Yeah, so basically, this tax was a progressive tax. It it rewarded you for producing more. You know, right. estimated for. Yeah. And so these little dudes couldn't do that, and the big guys could. I do like barter. I wish we could go back to barter. 
you know, like you're playing a fucking video game and you, you walk up and you got like six cheese wheels and a fucking bottle of wine and, you know, a dagger and you trade it for a full set of armor. Sounds like Skyrim. Yeah, it basically is. But okay. uh, you can't do that anymore. You got to fucking pay cash for everything. And I have so many fucking cheese wheels at my place that I just, I'm lactose intolerant. So what the you fuck? You got cheese wheels? What the fuck am I going to do with them? Uh, I want some cheese wheels. Well, do you have a full set of armor? I got a lot of whiskey. Uh, okay. Well, Let's maybe, make a deal. Maybe I can trade that for... Bartering's back, baby. <laughs> oh, the only bartering I do now is sexual bartering. And it's like, baby, if you let this happen, I'll uh, I'll do the dishes for a week or, you know, I'll cook dinner or... Oh, it's not sexual on both sides. No, no, it's, no. Uh, pl- give me, please. Yes, please. <laughs> I won't complain when your friend Rufus comes over. Rufus? Yes. Huh. It's a common name. Yeah, okay. <laughs> now, Hamilton did all this by design. He was a nationalist and wanted a strong federal economy to rival nations like England and France. And nationalism back then was not what it is now. Oh, no, 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 (laughs) no. They wanted a strong federal government that was basically national. Federalism and nationalism kind of hand in hand, but nationalists wanted even stronger government than the federalists. It definitely has a different connotation. Yeah, and now it means, you know, you're lining people up and shooting them in the streets. Yeah. They only did that a little bit back then. Just a, just was, a wee it, little bit. It was harder, you know, the muskets and shit. It was just harder to do it. You get the firing squad, about to kill ten dudes. Yeah. Still like six of them standing up after the first volley. <laughs> yeah. Hold on. Yeah, just stand still. Minute and a half later. All right, you motherfucker. I didn't move. <laughs> stand still, goddammit. <laughs> you got to read the sentence again. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Hamilton knew that with this tax, the big distilleries could afford to produce more and charge less than the small guys. The small guys would go out of business and would have to go to work for big businesses who would then produce more and more, and then more taxes would be paid to the government. Mm -hmm. It was the old long con. Yeah, it's basically the Walmart model uh, is what the big guys are doing. We can charge less. We can make less off each individual Mm -hmm. thing if we can sell more and produce more. Put everybody out of business. Mm -hmm. And then raise the prices. Fuck you, Walmart. Sponsor us. I mean, look at Amazon. Mm, yeah. It's mm. the same deal. You, you got so used to their prices being so low that, and I've been guilty of it too. You just go on there, you're like, nah, it seems like a fair price. Buy it now, fucking here tomorrow or mm-hmm. the next day. If you actually like shop around these days, Amazon a lot of the times is not. No, their prices a lot of times <laughs> suck. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's like, uh, sometimes though, you're like two days. Bezos, pay me and I will fucking delete this episode. You need to pay us for the Washington Post, too. I, I need double payments, or I'm going to talk good about Amazon and talk shit about the Washington Post. Mm. Fucking fake news, liberal rag. Is the Washington Post bad? Oh, I don't know. They are, they're they bad until they pay me. Oh. That's basically my viewpoint on everything. Are they fake news, liberal rag, like you said? Oh, I don't know. I don't read the news. I don't oh. read the <laughs> <laughs> No. Someone comes up to me and is like, have you heard about the events in Iran? You're like, oh, you mean in 1981 when Iraq evaded? That was fucking crazy, wasn't it? They're like, no, you stupid motherfucker. We're about to go to war with him. Oh, well, okay. That's cool. Let me know in 20 years when I read a book about it. I like history, not <laughs> mousetry. <laughs> yeah. Now, in western Pennsylvania, General Robert Neville was made the tax enforcer. He owned a large distillery, so he was already a big fan, but they also put his brother-in-law in charge of the commissary at Fort Pitt, made his son-in-law the quartermaster for the fort, meaning the main consumer of whiskey, the army, would be buying Neville brand whiskey exclusively. On top of that, he was paid $450 a year with a 1% commission on any tax he collected. Yeah, so uh, Neville's going to be 
kind of a douchebag in this story. Kind of a, you know, villain. Support. This seems like a fucking common theme in our stories. Yeah. A lot of douchebags. There are a lot of douchebags in history. So, is that what I need to do to be famous? Yeah, just be a tremendous douche. Throughout history? is yeah. Maybe it'll be posthumous then. <laughs> I feel like I'm a fucking... You are a pretty big douche. Okay, good. I mean, I just want to make sure I'm right in the path and, you know... You're getting there. You're getting there. Okay. Um, he did further prove that anyone named Neville is just a piece of shit. You don't like Chamberlain? I didn't like Chamberlain. I don't like Aaron Neville. You don't like uh, Orbenbacher? Neville? Or- nope, nope. Neville right? What? Neville Orin? Who? The popcorn guy. Is that not his name? Oh, that's Orville. Orville. <laughs> 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 that's fine. <laughs> Drunk. <laughs> but what I was going down the road... You're so foolish. That's okay. I was like, oh, you don't mean... Neville Redenbacher, you mean Neville Wright, which is also Orville Wright. So we're both idiots. It's fine. <sighs> That's why people listen to us. The Two Idiots Podcast. Yeah. Two white idiots. No, Nobody has that podcast market cornered. I can't believe you've disclosed my race on this podcast. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, I, it's also, it's just presumptuous of me to assume your race based on your skin color. I Thank you. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, let's let's continue with this story. I don't even know where we were anymore. I'm disgusted, <laughs> but I guess we'll continue. Now, in protest of this tax, the residents formed committees and held their own Congress to voice their issues with the tax to their representative. He worked real hard to get that tax dropped by a whole one cent. Got him. I work for you, America. On September 11th. Never forget. Moment of silence. 1791, Robert Johnson, oh. a tax collector. Old Bobby Dick himself. Bobby Dick. <laughs> a tax collector who worked for Robert Neville was riding through the forest when he found his path blocked by a group of armed men wearing blackface and dresses. Yeah. What is this, fucking vaudeville? I don't know. I don't understand. Like, uh, I understand why he stopped. Like, what the fuck is happening in front of me? It's just a bunch of dudes. Yeah, is, it, is this a fucking flash mob yeah. performance super racist one we're all well, of the day yeah <laughs> it's day. understandable you know flash mobs were racist back then everybody I'm knows i'm not being a fucking apologist here <laughs> goddamn it everybody was goddamn racist back then we called flash mobs lynch mobs but you know it's basically the same thing jesus well this racist flash mob stripped johnson naked and then cut off all his hair with their knives mm-hmm. And they're, you know, I don't know if they're racist. I'm just, yeah. It's an easy assumption. It is. But of, so was Johnson. Bunch probably. Of white guys in blackface, you know, they get dressed up in blackface because someone will be like, oh, yeah, a bunch of black guys did this. And someone will be like, oh, yeah, it makes sense because I'm also a racist. Does anybody in blackface look like a, a black person? No. Exactly. So no. I think they're just doing it to hide their identities, but. I don't know. I don't think they're trying to pretend they're black people. Like I, th- they didn't say black hands. I've already given feet. A, away your skin color, so I can go a little bit further and say if I come, I'm so upset about if that. I burned a cork and like you know rubbed it all over your face and gave you a black face, you would look exactly the same to me because I don't see color, Greg. Also because it's a terrible fucking disguise, but also because I'm I don't see color. You're an idiot. I am an idiot. These guys, after stripping Johnson naked, uh, they covered him with hot tar, tossed feathers on him. And left him alone in the forest. Mm. An abandoned cock. <laughs> Robert Neville issued warrants for the arrest of the men who tarred and feathered Robert Johnson. He sent the warrants with a man named John Connor. Time traveler. Yeah. Mom Sarah. Mm-hmm. 
He's got a buddy. I need your clothes, your boots, and your motorcycle. And your black face. And your black face. And racist views. <laughs> well, when Connor went to serve the warrants, he was stripped, whipped, tarred, and feathered. All right. Just Not exactly how it happened in Terminator. The old West Pennsylvania special. <laughs> oh, hey, welcome. It's like going to Waffle House. Yeah. Give me those hash browns whipped, stripped, tarred, and feathered, baby. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Word began to spread throughout western Pennsylvania that the same would happen to any man who tried to collect the taxes or arrest the attackers. And so, from 1791 until early 1792, none of the whiskey taxes were paid. Did you hear that? Yeah, what the, f- what the fuck? I don't know. It's probably some of the background. Just keep going. It's fine. Mm-hmm. The people of western Pennsylvania... I don't know. Western Pennsylvania considered the tax to be taxation without fuck yeah. without representation taxation without representation and refused to pay it. Alexander Hamilton was going to get dude. I don't. Are you I, hearing this shit? I am. I should we redo this part? Or just you know, just power. I'm, just, I'm sure you can edit all this. It's fine. Anyway, Hamilton was going to, going to get his money, even if it meant the use of military force. Either way, the violence was only going to escalate from here. Oh, oh shit, it's, it's Wolf. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Starting CPR. Oh, fuck. All right, and we are back from break. Uh, good news, we rectified the situation with Wolf Dick. We took away his bell. Whew. I'm just kidding. We, that was rough. Yeah, we wouldn't take away his bell. His only means of letting us know he's dying. We just kind of moved it a little further. He, yeah. he has to mean it, right? The only thing that happened last time was... His, he's going to have to grow nerves to reach it now. Yeah. <laughs> good luck. In the arm that doesn't work. That's fine. He'll figure it out. He's... He's the smartest. That'll mean that he means it. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Um, Yeah, it was just a minor heart blockage. He could still breathe and obviously function enough to ring the bell. So whatever. Like, fucking drama queen over there. He was healthy enough. He had a priapism the whole time. (laughs) For those of you that don't know. Google it. It was an uncontrollable. Just Google it. It's fine. Okay. (laughs) Priapism. Make sure you're you're sitting at dinner with your your mother or grandmother, church elders. While you Google priapism, priapism, I I like prism, like because mine casts a rainbow if you shine light through it. Now you're giving it away. Yeah, that's true. All right, let's talk about this whiskey rebellion. It's been kind of a slow story to begin with. I I think you guys picked up on that. Uh, probably when we're talking about taxes and stuff, like we're the goddamn writers of Phantom Menace. Nice. Yeah, it's just nothing it was but shit. trade talk and taxation and excise. And, uh, uh, then we, we, we tempted you just a little bit with some violence at the end with some tarring and feathering. So A little bit. Yeah, let's get in some more violence and see what happens. 
In case you did space out uh, during the first half, here's just a super, super duper quick recap. The U.S. government was broke following the American Revolution. In 1791, they passed a tax that taxed the production of whiskey. Uh, This wasn't a big deal for the guys who could produce a lot throughout the year, but these little people, um, and by that I mean midgets, obviously, (laughs) who lived out in West Pennsylvania on the frontier of America at the time, uh, whiskey was how they traded. Uh, It was a form of currency, and they didn't produce nearly as much as the big distillers, and so it was a higher tax on them and their lives. Uh, All of this was done on purpose by Alexander Hamilton, the Secretary of the Treasury, Uh, to try and drive up big business and create a national economy. Um, And then as the law was passed, it began to be enforced by General John Neville in the area. Uh, They rioted, they raised hell, and they tarred and feathered a couple of guys who tried to collect their money. And that's where we are right now. Yeah. It's actually a very good recap. Thank you. I don't know. We should just do that for the first half. We don't have to even have to talk about it. And then just recap the second half. We could have a good, like, 45-second podcast. Yeah. And then throw in good 30, 40 minutes of dick jokes. Yeah. I mean. On the 45 seconds of information. Yeah. And actually, if you want to listen to 100 Proof Hangovers, that's exactly what that is. You're welcome, Mm. America. Now, tensions continued to rise in West Pennsylvania. The rebels formed a group of 500 men and named themselves the Mingo Creek Association. Not really a badass name. They needed some branding. It's fine. Mingo Creek. Like, would you be afraid? I'm from Mingo Creek. No, you wouldn't be afraid of that guy. Yeah, you're probably right. Especially if he said it like that. Mingo Creek. Like, all meek and shit. What did uh, what, what Nazis stand for? Nazi, nationalist, national socialist, something, something. something. Would you be afraid of that? National socialism, something, something. Especially if they trailed off every time they said it. Something, something, something. something. Probably not. No, I'd be like, oh, okay, that's not threatening at all. He can't even finish his fucking sentence. That guy can't start a war and kill millions of people. <laughs> well, you should also be scared of the Mingo Creek Association. Exactly. It sounds like a HOA. Like, yeah. Hey guys, you uh, pay your hundred and fifty a month. I hate to, to just you know be a bear about this, but you really do have to bring in your trash cans every week after the they're picked up. I, I, I know, I know we keep harping on this, but eventually they're going to be fines. I know that it does. I'll admit it looks good that uh, that gentle teak stain that you've put on your fence. Mm-hmm. If you would have read our charter, though, we do do a sweep pair throughout the neighborhood. It is mandatory. Again, it looks good, but the rules are the rules. I'm kind of handcuffed by this just like you. Yeah, you know, I live in the neighborhood, too, and I'm sure you've read your charter, but if you keep violating, I get to take your wife for a night, so... Yeah. You know, maybe restain your fence. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. I have a lot of STDs, venereal diseases. So. You take off that traditional teak, put on that sweet pear, and uh, it, it all it's goes, all good. It all goes know? away. Yeah. yeah. Is your wife like uh, whips and stuff? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Oh, no, no. Oh, she's the gentle type. So mm. whipped cream. Oh, oh okay. okay. I love my whips. <laughs> Oh, HOAs are the worst. Libertarians are right. Now, the Mingo Creek Group uh, Association, they not only supported the the attack of the tax collectors, but anyone who harbored 
the tax collectors. When a man named William Faulkner had rented an office to Robert Neville, the guy who was collecting all the taxes, they threatened violence against Faulkner and eventually shot up his bar and smashed everything in his house. Like, fuck you for even letting him come in there. That prompted Faulkner to change his mind. And he actually, they'd actually threatened him, like grabbed him by the hair and held a knife to it and like, you know what this means, right? And so he like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty fucking obvious, yeah, I, dick. I, I get it, thanks. But then he still's like, well, you know, money is money. I'm going to let this dude rent an office. And then they finally shot the place up and he's like, well, no one's going to want to rent it now. <laughs> thanks, guys. Alexander Hamilton sent a spy named George Clymer to spy on the rebels in Pittsburgh. And he was really bad at this. He uh, First, he pretended to be Secretary of War Henry Knox, even though Knox was a big old fat guy and Clymer was thin and didn't look anything like him. Then he said his name was Smith, and he switched horses with a servant. They rode into town, and he was in charge of taking care of the horses because now he's the servant, and everyone's like, that dude doesn't know what the fuck he's doing with a horse. It's obvious he is not a servant. He would throw on a disguise. He threw, like lowered his hat and slouched in his saddle and threw a blanket over him. Like that's worse than the the black face paint and the dresses as as far as disguise go. <laughs> or it's kind of like uh, John Wilkes Booth hiding the shaw over his face as a disguise. No, like, yeah, you're like okay, this is like the worst fuck. As soon as you like have to move your hand, okay, oh oh, it's you. I get it. No, this guy's a fucking idiot. Or even on your hand is the fucking initials yeah. of your goddamn name. Yeah, this guy had. Uh, my name is George Clymer. My ty- blood type is AB positive. You know, I voted for Horatio Gates instead of George All Washington. All on the hand. Yeah, on his hand. <laughs> Eventually, he said, fuck it. And he just rode out with some soldiers. He's like, okay, let's just embrace this. No one believes my fucking bullshit. I thought I was being clever. Wasn't. Uh, he wrote back to Hamilton that the insurrection was worse than they initially thought. And that's probably because they started treating him like shit because they realized who he was. At this time, a mysterious figure named Tom the Tinker popped up in uh, West Pennsylvania. He would leave letters telling people to post notes in the local paper saying that they hated the whiskey tax or their stills would be burned and smashed. He would uh, post his own notes in the paper threatening violence against anyone who supported the tax or didn't join up with the Mingo Creek Association. And you know what? These are the good old days. We need to go back to this where I can just post threats all throughout the newspaper and like, ah, he paid us. Might as well fucking roll with it. I mean, I'm... I send them in. They just don't publish them. <laughs> well, that's because you're the... Well, they do when you threaten to kill more children as they're hopping off the school bus like the Zodiac Killer. See, and I only threaten to kill homeless, so... That's true. You just use the school bus. They probably as, purposely don't publish <laughs> mine because they're like, oh, okay. No, we can't. He's, he's going to take care of the problem if we don't publish his manifesto. Yeah, No, they're more thinking, we can't talk badly or insinuate violence against the homeless they use these as blankets so (laughs) (laughs) yeah but they don't fucking pay for them that's true so what the fuck do they care i guess that's true yeah man no they don't publish my manifesto because they want it to continue i know it to be true the newspaper man that was a terrible business model i can see why they failed like you go open one of those dispense you know the vending machines you put like 50 cents in there you take every fucking paper it's all in the honor system why would you do it though i don't know just to be a dick. Well, you know, I'm an obese man. If I needed a lot of blankets, I need a lot of newspapers. It's You're kind so of, obese. I am. I, I don't know. I, I don't, they haven't failed, number one. Nah, they've mostly failed. Failing? Yeah. It does cost, like, a ton of money to get a newspaper subscription these days. Yeah. And why would you when you can just read your news on the internet like a normal person? Yeah, and, I read and, a lot. 
Even though they hide the stuff behind a paywall, there's ways around that, too. So, Hint, hint. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't find ways around our paywall when we switch to Patreon, please. Don't do that. People who registered their stills with the government saw their barns burned. An innkeeper who rented a room to Robert Neville was tarred and feathered. And that's just kind of their go-to. Like I said, that's their uh, their Waffle House special out in West Virginia. It's a good old punishment back yeah. in the day. Where are they getting all this tar? And then feathers, obviously. Dinosaurs. They're getting the feathers. Oh, okay. I was like, <laughs> wait, where are the feathers? <laughs> in June of 1794, a straw version of Robert Neville was burned in effigy in front of a huge crowd. Neville began to arm and drill his slaves, preparing for an attack on his property. Yeah, just a nice reminder that, yeah, they everybody owned slaves back then. We really talked about that. Everyone was super shitty and racist, so... Uh, he, yeah. He's like, they're coming to attack my property, so I'm going to have my property defend my property, if you know what I mean. Jesus. I mean, that's how he thought. That's not how we I We probably will be looked at one day as... Horrible people? Archaic fucking just... Yeah. Pieces of shit because, you know, we eat cows and chickens and stuff. Homeless. Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, that kind know. of. So. Big old delicious camel legs. They'll look down on us one day. Yeah, it's fine. Especially if they ever hear this podcast. I feel like we're lower than, you know, normal citizens if you hear this podcast. Like listening to last week's episode, I genuinely felt bad about myself. Yeah. Hey. At least we're not homeless, though, right? <laughs> That's true. Won't get eaten. And we're, we don't own slaves, so we're, yeah. moving, we're we're better than everyone that lived 230 years ago. I think when the calling happens, we'll mm-hmm. we'll be fine. I, I will definitely be someone's slave when the calling happens. <laughs> there's, there's, I am not the type of personality to, to be dominant in any way, Greg. And also, I lack the upper body strength to fight anybody off. Hmm. Hmm. The Mingo Creek Association grew in size, absorbing some local militias. Robert Neville asked the government for help, and some soldiers, led by Major Abraham Kirkpatrick, who's also his bro-in-law, uh, were sent to his home at Bower Hill. The Mingo Creek men decided to meet those soldiers head-on at Bower Hill and demand two things. All writs of arrest for tax evasion were to be destroyed, and Robert Neville had to resign as the tax inspector. Otherwise, there would be blood. If you know what I mean. The association enlisted the help of James McFarlane, a Revolutionary War hero, to lead their forces at Bower Hill. He had become disillusioned with the government, and he agreed to help them. When the two sides met at Bower Hill, General, quote-unquote, Robert Neville, hid in the forest to watch the conflict. Like a fucking pussy. Spectator sport. Yeah. The rebels made their demands, but were denied the writs of arrest, and they were told, uh, General Neville's not home, which was true. He was hiding in the fucking forest. Some of the rebels began to burn buildings around the house. Eventually, a few pot shots were fired by the rebels at the house, and then both sides began to exchange gunfire. After a short gunfight in which no one was actually hit, a white flag was waved from inside the house. James McFarlane approached the house to accept the surrender, but a shot was fired. McFarlane was hit in the groin, he fell to the ground, and he died. No. Yep. No! Revolutionary war hero, fought against taxation, thought he was doing it again. Shot in the dick. The end. Well, he was doing it again. Yeah. After McFarlane fell to the ground, the rebels resumed firing and set the house on fire. Major Kirkpatrick then came out of the house and surrendered. Every bit of Robert Neville's home at Bower Hill, including his large distillery, was burned to the ground. Which is the most upsetting part of this story. Mm Mm-hmm. All that sweet, sweet Neville bourbon. Oh, man. All that sweet, sweet Neville 
Surrender to the Germans so they don't fight us, Chamberlain Bourbon. <laughs> okay. I mean, the label took up a lot of space. Let's yeah. <laughs> Robert Neville had escaped to Pittsburgh. The Mingo Creek men marched on the city, which they called Sodom, and demanded that he surrender himself or the town would be looted and burned down. It's actually pretty funny. They, oh, pretty funny. Pretty interesting. As they're threatening this, like all they're marching through town telling everybody, all the merchants... But, like, they bring their wives, and their wives are basically, like, window shopping through the people's belongings. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, yeah, when we come through here and burn down the city, I'm taking that, and I'm taking that, and won't it be nice to own all of this? (laughs) It is funny. (laughs) Their force had grown to 7,000 troops, and they had decided to declare their independence from the United States and flew their own flag. Yep. It's, uh, just, you know. Mini revolution. Well, this was the last straw for Alexander Hamilton and George Washington. Congress was in recess, but a law had been passed that allowed Washington to raise a large militia without congressional approval if a Supreme Court justice ruled that the states were no longer enforcing the laws. Supreme Court Justice Robert Wilson, a nationalist himself, was happy to sign the order and a militia of nearly 13,000 soldiers was raised. Shit's uh, about to hit the fan. Oh, yeah, it's about to get real. If you can't tell. It's about to get real violent here, guys. Washington sent a group of negotiators to meet with Mingo Creek men, but historians debate on whether or not this was all for show. Either way, the negotiations failed, and in September of 1794, I almost said 1974, (laughs) so used to it, (laughs) 1794, the army began its march towards Pittsburgh with Alexander Hamilton leading them. It's so weird. Like, uh, it's a militia. I get it's not an organized army. You don't have too many generals. Uh, Daniel Morgan would pitch in. He helped during the Revolutionary War. He's actually one of the bases for the Patriot, the movie yeah. that we talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, he would pitch in. There's a guy named Lee, not obviously that Lee or related to that Lee, who would help. from. He was from Virginia, but not Robert Lee or any relatives, uh, would help in. But this was Alexander Hamilton's march, which is crazy because he's the Secretary of fucking Treasury. Yeah. <laughs> well, wouldn't you know, Chris, along the way, the Army, uh, they got a little out of control. What? Yeah. This was mainly because they weren't big believers in the cause, but were mostly poor draftees. Yeah, it was kind of similar to what happens in the Civil War and other drafts. A rich man would get drafted. And he'd just send his servants in his stead. Yeah. Like, he'd buy his draft out and let someone else go in his place. So it was all poor guys who had nothing better to do, man. So when all these chumps and Naruto fucking raiders get sent to World War Three, Yeah. That's exactly what's going to happen, man. Same thing. <laughs> when all you poor people go. Yes. When I, are we going to send Wolf Dick? Or is that we're going to, he's not poor, but. No, he's fucking rich as fuck. That's why we don't have to go. Yeah, but we're in charge of his money, so we can just send him in our place, right? Benefactors <laughs> don't have to go. Oh, okay. One handicapped boy was shot in the groin and died when he didn't move out of the roadway and a soldier tried to fire a warning shot at him. Uh, what was that? That was, uh, uh, Ned Kelly, where the women and children were coming out of the burning hotel with their hands up. Mm-hmm. And Sergeant Steele said, put your hands up. And they did. And he still fucking shot yeah, at him. Sh- shot at him. This is this. Luckily poor, missed. This poor crippled boy 
laying in the middle of the road. Help me, sir, please. <laughs> I'm stuck here. Get, get out of the fucking way. <laughs> I'm trying, sir. Please help me. I said, get out of the fucking way. Bam! Right in the dick. <laughs> Fuck your stupid dick. I wonder if he felt it. <laughs> Another man was bayoneted to death when he attempted to take a soldier's rifle. At least that one's sort of justified. Yeah, you know. The army in general was constantly drunk. Hmm. Yeah. Like this podcast. <laughs> and looted every town they went through. Yeah, I don't know. Have you ever seen uh, Band of Brothers? Have you watched yes. that miniseries? Yeah, it's fucking amazing. Yeah, but I, at the very last episode, and it kind of drove home this point for me, and I'm sure a lot of uh, soldiers and people who've served have seen this, you get a lot of 18-year-old dudes together, and there's a bunch of booze, and they don't really have anything to do, they're going to fuck some shit up. There's going to be a bunch of stupid shit happening. Mm. And so they're going to take everything that's not nailed down. They're going to fight with each other. They're going to fight everyone around them, all the citizens and stuff like that. And that kind of happens at the end of Band of Brothers. That's why I brought it up. Mm -hmm. um, so that's what's happening here. They're just poor dudes being sent to you know West Pennsylvania. They don't really have any orders other than just march. And along the way, they're just going to fuck up everything they can you know, uh, beside the road. Yeah. Thank you for telling me how it was to uh, serve You're welcome. as an 18-year-old. You're welcome, Greg. Because I did that, motherfucker. Well, I've read about it, so I know more than you. <laughs> <laughs> True. You probably do. <laughs> and get back to the story, uh, that's exactly when Washington rode out to meet them and address them. His presence created discipline, and they got their act together. It's so crazy how revered he was. He was basically a god to these people. Yeah. He, all he had to do was show up and say, hey, get your shit together. Uh -huh. like, yes, sir. I will do that. All right. Uh, yeah. Well, fuck. It's, now that dad's home, we're going to stop our antics. Yeah. It's, it's crazy for me to think about that because I live in the, the age I do. You know, growing up, people shit all over George W. H. W. Bush, uh, Bill Clinton. All I ever heard was bad things about Bill Clinton. You never called him President Clinton. You just called him Clinton, you know? But really? Yeah, like all the well, you know, where we live, we mm. live in a very red state. Ah, true. And Clinton yeah, yeah. was not appreciated down here at all. And then you get to the Bush era and everyone calls him Bush or W, mm. you know, instead of President Bush. You know, the uh I guess the point is the rev the reverence is not there for us. I don't feel like I feel like we look for reasons to attack our president, which I think we should, to be honest with you, as you know. Uh, educated citizens, but you go back even just as far as the Kennedy assassination, and people are crying. They're mourning the president. They're you know lining up the streets to see his body off. It's it's just a weird difference in time, and it's even more so with Washington. I kind of have the opposite opinion. Yeah, um, I feel like, and I understand how modern politics are, and we don't, you know, we don't want to get too much into the minutia of yeah, modern yeah. politics, but. At the end of the day, we are very divided, mm -hmm. where it's almost a team sport. Yeah. Um, we're, we're Cowboys fans, for instance. Yeah. We hate the fucking Eagles. Well, it's because they're terrible. Yeah, at exactly. Every, at, and their existence. They have no redeeming qualities, period. Yes. Nor do the Steelers. This story happens to be about Pennsylvania. Go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself, Pennsylvania. We love you, Pennsylvania. Thanks for Hershey's. But I like Hershey's. <laughs> But uh, it's it's become such this team sport sort of thing. Like you're either on the left or the right. Mm -hmm. 
I think that's horrible for this country. Oh, I, yeah. When, okay, I got you. When Kennedy died, everybody rallied around that. It was sad as fuck. Imagine our president right now dying or our last president dying. There would have been a lot of almost silent voices or maybe support on yeah, the other side. Jubilation, yeah. Yeah, which is that's horrible. It's fucked up, yeah. That's what we need is somebody that unites a country. That's the whole point of it, right? Yeah, and I, I do agree with that. I just believe that I like back then, like with the Washington era, Washington came in and said, I want you to shit in your pants and wear those pants for six days, they would do it. I feel like you should question your government. Um Fairly question your government. Be informed. Know your shit. Oh, definitely agree with that. So I, I, I do agree that team sport politics is just fucking ruining everything. Yeah. Like this podcast, we kind of go out of our way to stay non-political. Yeah. Because once you identify yourself as I support, even not even just I'm on this side, I support this specific thing. Mm-hmm. Half of an audience is going to write off the rest of your opinions or the rest of what you have to say. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. Yeah. So, uh, no, I, I agree with that part. So I, I, I just found it interesting that all Washington had to do was show up Yeah, and everybody's like, okay, I'm sorry. I'm Uh sorry. I'm sorry. American Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) He was American Jesus. (laughs) Oh, we'll have to do a show on Washington one day, especially since it's our fucking logo. We'll have to do do a show on it. Maybe. (laughs) Well, getting back to the topic at hand. Dissension formed with the Mango Creek Association. Because someone went with pear tree or went with natural pine or whatever the fuck it was. (laughs) (laughs) I drove past his house and I could see his RV from the street. What are we, barbarians? And then, you know, just falls apart from there. Mm -hmm. It does. The leaders publicly preached for revolution, but when a private vote was held, most wanted the issue resolved. An agreement was reached that the rebels could have amnesty if they surrendered and swore an oath of loyalty. Every one of them did. Not satisfied with simple words, Hamilton and the army continued their westward march. Yeah, that's kind of a dick move. I get why they did it, because they're like, okay, they're just saying this shit now, you know, but they go to these taverns, and these taverns had logbooks, and every man that was over 18 had to, basically, all he had to do was check a side that said yay or nay. Uh, They all go in there and check, yay, I support the United States. Not yay, like, yay, party! Yay isn't yes. And not nay, like... Oh, oh no. <laughs> um, but, no, so they uh, they all did that. And it, it's funny because they all do it privately. Meanwhile, Tom the Tinker is still putting out his, his messages saying, basically, I'll, I'll kill you and your entire family if you go in there and check yay. But everybody did it because, you know, they, they didn't wanted this to come to a, a peaceful solution. But Hamilton's like, Mm, I'm not sure you're telling me the truth. I'm going to go ahead and send all these 13,000 troops over your way anyway. This army of 13,000 men arrived outside of Pittsburgh. And then... Drum roll, please. Nothing happened. Oh. Okay, well, Wolf did give me the sad horn. Mm. I always hate to hear that. Yeah. I'm just glad he's conscious, to be honest with you. He was yeah. able to he's able to reach that button with his his fucking one working finger. It's been a minute since the bell, so I'm starting to feel a little more I don't know. I don't know if you guys have noticed this episode of 
I've been a little tense. Yeah. You know, mm. I'm worried about him. I am too. Yeah. Not like, all right, so I'm going to lean away from him. Mm. Not because I care about Wolf Dick, but because I care about him being our financier. Yeah. If yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, yeah, don't worry, buddy. He's he's just saying good things in the mic. Thumbs up to you, buddy. <laughs> Hi, Wolf Dick. Hey. So the rebels once again swore loyalty. A few were arrested for leading the resistance movement, but most of those arrested were granted clemency by George Washington. He just wanted to show you how big his American imperial yeah. Jesus dick was. Look at this unshaven penis. Yeah. Look at it. Now look at me. He's like the old Spice guy. Look look at the flag. That is intimidating. Look at this eagle. Yeah. Look at my dick. Look at the eagle's dick. <laughs> the force of 1,200 men were left in the area to ensure that another violent outbreak didn't occur. Just like that, the Whiskey Rebellion was over. Mm. This is kind of a waste of everybody's time. Thanks, listener. Yeah, thanks for listening to this fucking shit-ass story. You're fucking idiots. <laughs> idiots. Why didn't I know about the Whiskey Rebellion? Oh, because nothing fucking happened. For a happened. very good reason. <laughs> uh, Hamilton felt vindicated and victorious. Washington thought that the incident showed that the American people could support the law and the government. Both of them made a lot of money off the tax and rebellion. Washington would go on to distill whiskey at Mount Vernon, and the property he had previously owned in western Pennsylvania soared in value. The whiskey tax remained largely uncollected, and in Kentucky, no effort was made to collect it. Which is kind of interesting when you research this. I don't know if it has to do with anything, but today the biggest producing state of you think of American whiskey and bourbons, you think mm -hmm. of Kentucky. Yeah. That's where, most, that's where your 1792 came from. Um, not where this produced stuff came from. Uh, but it's interesting. I wonder if because they were left alone, left to their own devices, never, the tax was never collected. They just did whatever the fuck they want. And all these, some of these small distilleries grew into the massive distilleries or the popular distilleries we know today. I don't know if that's true. We'd have to obviously go on a tour of Kentucky distilleries, which would have to be funded by our listener. But I'm going to go ahead and assume that's exactly what happened. No one drinks Western Pennsylvania whiskey. That's true. In 1800, Thomas Jefferson became president and repealed the tax completely. But don't worry. It has popped up pretty much every time the government has needed money and has, you know, existed permanently since World War I. Yeah, and getting ready for this, I found this interesting. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I was listening to some other stuff on the Whiskey Rebellion, make sure not retreading some ground. And we'll get into what their their thing was in a second here and the surprises slash misconceptions and all that. Uh, I did find out that when you go to buy a bottle of whiskey in the store today, 56.2% mm -hmm. of the tax or of the price you pay is tax between state and federal taxes. That's a fucking ton. Yeah. Like so on this uh, $30 bottle of America bourbon. Over probably like 17 bucks of that was taxes. And so that's $13 left for production, you know, bottling, transportation, uh, and store overhead. So yeah. I can't imagine. It's insane. Yes. So it's a, it's a low profit business, but it is crazy that, you know, that's the world we live in now, man. Just tax the shit out of everything. It's the world you live in. 
That's true. You just don't pay. I'm going off the grid. I'm not paying taxes <laughs> and anymore. And keep doing your podcast while you go off the grid? Yeah. That's fine. You know, we'll just start doing it remotely. Yeah. In your bunker, your underground bunker. Mm-hmm. And you'll you'll have an RF feed. I'll, <laughs> I'll set you up an antenna before I leave. Okay. RF. <laughs> well, big ass fucking beard's going to get in the way. But we're still sending Wolf to live with you, right? Underground? Wait. What? Yeah, I mean, he's basically halfway underground already, am I right? Because <laughs> you know, he almost died several times. No, but you, I don't want to take care of him, dude. I can't do it anymore. I can't fucking do it anymore. I'm almost out of MREs. This is the main reason you're running away. Just, God damn it. Just like my mom, just abandoning the child when it gets hard. I see how it is. <laughs> oh, I love you, mom. That's and, weird. My mom uh, doesn't abandon me when I get hard. Oh, <laughs> all right uh that's a good place to end this podcast and it is time once again for us to deep dive into america's favorite segment my wife's vagina no whoa uh surprises slash misconceptions uh would you like me to go first greg sure um I was surprised by most of this story. Didn't know a lot about it. It's kind of uh, one of those buried topics. And like we said, kind of not a lot happens. It is interesting hearing other people's opinions about it. And they're like, oh, how stupid it is it. They just went to war for taxes. And now they're going to fight their own citizens for taxes. Again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You got to pay that war debt somehow. That wasn't ever going to just fucking disappear just because we're free all of a sudden. The whole idea was, you know, taxation without representation. You have representation here because you have just, in this exact time frame, elected people that are representing you. And that's the taxation. You know, the taxation without representation came from when it was, you know, a distant land trying to tax you for... Whatever burdens they had. Right. And it didn't make sense. The representation was, hey, we have elected officials that are now representing us. Yeah, just because... That's where the taxation comes from. Yeah, just because they're shitty at their job and only got you a one-sit discount. Yeah. That's not... That doesn't mean you weren't represented. It's still... Yeah. Representation. And and that's what the British did to them, you know, 15 years earlier. Yeah. And so, yeah, they're... You have a legitimate gripe, but at the same time, these bills have to be paid. And Hamilton knew what he was doing. Hamilton was the, I can drive a big business, tax little guy, this is a luxury tax kind of deal. Um, But I do think most people viewed it as a luxury tax. It was, no one needs to drink, which, horseshit, like, I can't function. I disagree. Yeah. But that was their viewpoint. Let's, Let's tax something that no one really needs, but we'll spend money on. Meanwhile, George Washington, like a lot of people who listen to this story want to throw a lot of blame on George Washington. Oh, he's like, oh, he's the number one landowner of America. And, uh, oh, he wants to uh, drive up the price of his own whiskey and his own land. You're right there over there. You're you're struggling. Oh, I just took a shot. <laughs> Getting ready for that hangover that we're about to do. Uh, 100 proof hangover. Yeah, but they want to throw a lot of blame on Washington. When you look at the relationship between Hamilton and Washington, I feel like Hamilton was a master manipulator. Um, He was a genius. I'm not going to lie. He's a very smart guy and knew how to get what he wanted. I completely agree. 
I really do. Um, I don't agree with a lot of his viewpoints, but at the time, no, his, no. His view, yeah. I'm agreeing that he was a master manipulator. Yeah. He got a lot of shit done. Yeah, he knew exactly what he was doing. Um, Washington, I think a lot of sources and a lot of people want to play Washington off as a dope, like he's getting played by Hamilton. I think Washington knew exactly what Hamilton was doing, but he saw this as an opportunity to create law and order in a wild frontier, which was what Western Pennsylvania was. So a lot of my misconceptions aren't mine. They're other people's. I disagree with a lot of opinions that come from this story is basically my point. Makes sense. Now you take it away. All right. My misconception is actually much more uh, concise and shorter Uh than yours. Oh, for Uh, once. Unlike our penis. I must say, for once, you're the shorter (laughs) man. Um. It was interesting to me that this happened so soon after, you know, America's call to independence. Yeah. There was this taxation that people immediately were, like, ready to fight for. And it's like, this just happened, (laughs) you know. And I I didn't realize how many of the big names involved and what we know as America, Mm -hmm. you know, speaking of founding fathers and just the creation of our country— I didn't realize how many of them were involved in this. Yeah, a lot of them, pretty much all of the founding fathers are like almost deified. Like anytime you have a political conversation today, it's like, what did the founding fathers want for this country? So you listen to this and, you know, it's it's just a very kind of mundane story, a lot of it. Yeah. Um, It's got its own nuances, but it definitely doesn't have the nuance of... What we see the founding fathers yeah. as, and, yeah, and then you do so. you do study this, and you see that oh, they all kind of had their own fucking selfish motivations, just like every other politician yeah. or mm-hmm. every other person. You know, they all wanted to line their own pockets and make you know things better for them. So it's interesting to actually kind of see those people. Actually, let me take that back for a second. Let me roll back my own opinion, okay, and argue with and myself. Then I have something. Um, I feel like Robert Morris was the consummate politician no he's a piece of shit the guy who i don't care about the people i don't care about the country i want money in my pocket yeah he's I, a piece of shit. I feel like that's the politician everybody knows and hates hamilton did some shady shit that i don't agree with like trying to basically drive individualism away and create you know nationalist business and all that force people to work for the money lenders and all that shit he wanted a strong national economy and a weak individual economy. I don't agree with that, but it was a viewpoint. He thought it was best for the country. It wasn't something necessarily to make himself richer or his power more absolute. He just thought, like, okay, we've created America. Now we have to get America up to the same level as England, France, and Spain. We have to create a a powerhouse, and the best way to do that is consolidate everything through the federal government. Right. And And we've talked about that. And then, like I said, Washington, I don't think Washington had too much of an ulterior motive. He didn't make money off this, but I feel like his thing was, I need to unify the nation, and the best way to do that is through law and order, and the best way to establish law and order is by sending a militia out. Yeah. What was your other thing that I interrupted? Well, you know, I don't remember how I was going to get there, (laughs) but wouldn't it be cool to watch like all these famous historical figures like in their more vulnerable moments yeah absolutely yeah you know like i don't know say uh thomas jefferson he's just gonna fucking jerk it (laughs) one day yeah i think it'd be cool to just like see him 
you know, leave his position of power and yeah. go back to, I don't know, wherever uh, you jerked it back then. Well, and then he jerks it. No, I get you. Um, I can't remember where I heard this, but it was someone, it was, it, it was like a motivational thing, hmm. but it's one of the, you know, like, okay, this is motivational things. Um, but he said, always remember at some point in her life, even the Queen of England has gotten shit on her hands when she was wiping her ass. Oh, that's the worst. Yeah. But that it does make you think like the, like we were saying, these guys are deified. They're they're American gods. Mm-hmm. But you know, they jerked off. They wiped their own ass. You know, they had moments of weakness, just like all of us. So you too can found a country if you're willing. What if uh, I don't know, John Adams mm-hmm. was constipated one day. Maybe he uh sticks Two, three digits of the middle finger up his <laughs> yeah. ass to help loose dislodge it. Yeah. <sighs> De-impact his colon. Yeah. I don't know, man. Yeah. I don't know. Well, John Adams was fucking crazy. We should do a show on him. He believed there were mole people living under the earth and sent an expedition to find him. Maybe John Quincy Adams. It's one of them, but yeah. <laughs> Everybody's got their thing. History. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. I guess that's it for this show. We've wasted enough time, haven't we? I don't know. I don't either. Once again, we'd like to remind you to find us on social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at 100ProofHistory. If you search for us in your podcast app, it is 100ProofHistory spelled out. You can also typically find us by using the 100. Also, a big deal for us, we'd really like to hear it if you went to anchor.fm, anchor like a boat at uh, anchor, anchor.fm slash 100ProofHistory. You can leave us a voicemail and we will play that on the show and probably send you some swag. Just want to remind you guys uh, to go check that stuff out. Give us some love. Give us some feedback. Let us know what you like and what you don't like. And with that, Greg, I bid you adieu. I bid you adieu-do. <laughs> what is Hilarious. that? What is that? Do you hear a bell ring? Yes. Ah! I know once I get more booze, it'd be I'd normally get more. <laughs> Dancing like an old Tommy guy. Doing a Charleston on a flagpole. <laughs> ain't got no tea, drank them away. I give the best blow jobs. <laughs> I'll gum you for a, a snifter. Except for the shark tooth lack here. <laughs> it's just a fucking jagged goddamn stalactite. That's what we call chopper. That's how I eat my beef jerky. <laughs> You got to open the can somehow. <laughs> uh, where were we? How do I make that more penis? <laughs> that is the question that always runs through our mind. Normally, it's like, how do I stop doing yeah. penis? There hasn't been enough penis here. <laughs> oh. I don't know anything about jokes. I don't either. I mean, other than penises. Penises and butts are funny. Can't even say it. I hate the French so much. The freedom revolution. I like French. I don't like them. They don't shave. You don't know that. You've never been there. I've seen stuff on the internet, Greg. (laughs) Oh... Why does anyone listen to this? This They don't. That's true. (laughs) 